Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Everybody. Hello, welcome back. We're back, back after a long hiatus for Pesach. My name is Ruvain Spolter. I'm here with a Rabbi Mali Brovsky and a Rabbi Johnny Solomon, and we're back for the RZ Podcast. Rabbi Mali, how was your Pesach? It was very nice. I know, it's a long time ago, isn't it already? You know, yes, you know? Pesach feels like forever ago. Doesn't Absolutely. it? Rabbi Johnny, yeah. you guys enjoyed the family? Bezat Hashem? We enjoyed the family. We had a great Pesach, thank you. Okay, uh, since we're coming back after Pesach, Rabbi Mali Brovsky is a social worker, she's an educator, she teaches in many places, she's uh, a licensed social worker, right? She's also a consultant for schools. I'm doing this by pet. <laughs> yeah, I like, I, like your, I, like, <laughs> I like your, I like your, you're winging it. I'm winging it, totally winging yeah. it. We haven't done the podcast in a while, I should open that file. Okay, and uh, did I miss anything important? That's all good. It's all good. I'm Johnny Solomon, is a noted speaker, lecturer, writer, editor, author, teacher, uh, rabbinic coach, online rabbinic consultant. I don't think I missed anything because I think that's everything. Is there anything else? That'll do. That'll do. Vita, as I it's say. all the Vita. same. But I'm okay. Johnny. I, I know that uh, Rab Johnny is a is a is an in demand speaker, but also people have reached out to him for his online rabbinic consulting. And Johnny, I'm really really happy and excited that that's uh, that's going well, and I encourage people to take advantage of that. Okay, my oh Hashem. My name is Ruben Spolter. I am the... Why, 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 why did you delay then? Because I forgot my name? No, I didn't forget my name. I'm trying to produce... <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to produce... I have, I have a production issue time. he's trying to where's pay attention pro- to while where's, I'm... Where, where's our producer? Where's our producer who's going to come in and do the editing? Oh, that's right. We don't have one. Okay. Um, uh, my name is Wayne Spalter. I know my own name. I'm the director of English language programming at Herzog at Herzog uh, uh, College, at Herzog Global, at Herzog College of Education. I'm the director of Kita.org. I'm the founder and director, which provides online learning resources for children in schools and homes around the world. So if you're a school educator looking for amazing online resources for your middle school kids, for your middle school teachers, reach out to me. If you're a family, a little plug for myself, if you're a family uh, thinking about homeschooling and homeschooling your child, or your child is not in a Jewish day school, reach out to me. 
and we'll get them learning serious Jewish learning. I'm very happy about that. And finally, I'm the, uh, I also have something called the Mishnah Project. Everyone should learn Mishnah Yomit every day. Okay, enough of the plugs. We're now uh, uh, going to talk. We're, we're on Erev Yom HaZikaron. So here in Israel, if you live in Israel, you know, you feel Yom HaZikaron in the air. The whole time period is, you know, you see the flags. It's Yom HaAtzma'ut. And we thought this is a really good time as it's called RZ Weekly. RZ stands for Religious Zionists. So our religious Zionism. So we, should, we thought we should spend some time thinking and talking about religious Zionism. And what we'd like to do is go back to the Wayback Machine, right? And historically think about the origins of religious Zionism and, and the, the, the ideology, some of the ideology that, that stood behind it, and discuss sort of what happened to that ideology, what happened to the passion, what happened to the fervor. And specifically, as you've probably seen from the, from the title of this podcast, we'd like to talk about the idea of messianism, messianism. So it's very well known that when the, when the chief rabbinate of Israel wrote the Tfilah Lishlom Hamadina, the prayer for the state of Israel, it began by saying, we say, Avinu Shabbat Shamayim, Tzuri God in heaven, our God in heaven, okay, Barech Medina Israel, bless the state of Israel, Reshit Tzmichat Geulatenu. Reshit, the, the beginning, the initial flowering of our redemption. And there was, uh, even the idea of reishit smichat geulatenu is a bit of an equivocation. I'm sure they thought about that a lot. But the idea of geulah is in the first sentence of the prayer of the state of Israel, and it's in there, and it's in it today. And that, this is because, this is just a reflection of well-known well ideological movement that motivated people. If you think about it, why would people move to Israel, you know, not in 2020, but in 1920, or in 1880, or before that? Many of them were spurred by rabbinic leadership who saw the return, the Shivat Zion, specifically in, I'm going to use a big word, eschatological terms. Did I use that right? Eschatological terms. I think I did. I did. Gold star for me. Okay, they saw it in terms of the Geula, that the return to Zion was the beginning of the Geula, and the establishment of a Jewish state, Al-Achat Kama V'Kama, was the next step and a critical step in the redemption of the Jewish people, a step towards the Geula. And people were motivated by that. They were ideologically motivated by that. And yet, today, I, I think we, can, uh, we are going to discuss whether we agree that ideological passion and fervor and the excitement of redemption, mishichiyut, eschatology, it has waned. To, to what degree we'll discuss. But it's certainly not there in the, in the, in the, in, as a motivation in the, in the lives that we lead, neither here in Israel and definitely not in Chutzarts in America either. So we're going to turn to Johnny first and say, hey, Johnny, do you agree with that assessment? That, that the fervor, the passion of messianism and religious Zionism has waned? And then why did it happen? What's going on? And we'll take the discussion from there. Okay, so firstly, I appreciate you framing this, and I think it's a very, very important conversation. And I want to put all my cards on the table and say, not only did I consider the state of Israel as being uh, an expression of redemption. You know, different people have different language. It means that or Gula itself of some measure or another. I, I thought that in my youth. I think that in my present. But how I think it now is different to how I thought it in my youth. And I agree that at least the volume of uh, religious leaders who speak that language has diminished uh, over the last, shall we say, uh, 15 to 20 years, uh, two very, very major bookends. 
which framed just after I left Yeshiva and uh, as life be- developed 10 years later was the assassination of Rabin and disengagement. And both of those events certainly shaped the reconsideration of the kind of messianic fervor spoken and expressed here in Israel and in different institutions. Doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that there are numerous yeshivot and midrashot that still express things. Wait, 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 wait I'm sorry, Johnny, The volume of to, doing so Johnny, is different. we have to unpack that. So you're, you're saying, I mean, I, don't, I can't let that just go. You're saying that part of the messianic fervor waned because of events that happened that sort of turned people off to the idea of the redemption. You said the disengagement and the murder of Rabin. Well, no, 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 no. They didn't necessarily change. And so, so let me, I'll unpack what I, what I meant to say. Yeah. We need to distinguish between redemption and messianism. We are using these words interchangeably. I think that's incorrect. I see Medinat Israel as expressive of moves towards the ultimate redemption, the ultimate redemption being Moshiach. Uh, however, I don't believe that since the state of Israel has been established, Moshiach has come. Uh, and therefore, we need to be clear, be distinguishing between Gula or Moshiach. That's Davar Rishon. Davar Sheni. Can I interrupt I made it, a second? I, sure. I think that religious Zionists, though, it wasn't just, oh, this is happening. In fact, I don't think it. I know it. it the ideology was such that it is our job as, Jew, as members of the Jewish people to play a role in the bringing of Mashiach. We're not just going to be waiting. And, and one way that we're doing this, right? Right. And one way of our doing this is through the building of the State of Israel. So I, I, whether you believe Mashiach Barur. has come or not come, the idea is I do what I do as part of the State of Israel or building the state or building my institution or living in Israel or you know, building a house you know, in, in Beit Daniel or Kushat Zion or whatever. I do that because I see that as furthering the redemption. And that's a motivation of uh, mine. I'm a messianist. Right. And, in and that. by the way, I'll say, I'll make it clear. It is of mine too. It was then and it is now. No, no, However, that's what I'm saying. I think let, that that was part of the, not part of, a very powerful part of the motivations of, of definitely the first few generations of religious Zionists. And I feel... Uh, and, and it continues to this day. Oh, no, so I happen to be I starting disagree. to listen to, I happen to be listening to a podcast that was uh, recently launched by Yeshivat Oetzio, not far from here, in Merkash Shapira, called Hisichati. Uh, it's a discussion between a, a student who's now Raman Shiva and a senior Rav, Rav Dani Elinor. And uh, in the conversation, you get a window into what's still being discussed in Yeshivat Oratzion. And these ideas are still being discussed. The guy who sits in front of me in shul, who's a young boy who's 20 years old, he's learning at Yeshiva. I see the Sfarim he's learning. They're expressing these same ideas. As mentioned, these words of, of, of uh, Golan and Meshachiot uh, uh, are still being expressed just in a slightly different volume. Those were dampened down, I think, because of the events I mentioned of Rabin's assassination and disengagement. There was this big public, you know, Chesh uh, Nefesh after the former, and there was less public, but nevertheless still uh, a deep uh, theological Chesh Nefesh after a latter. And that changed the way people made insistent association about certain historic events. Wait, Let me so just I, say I just one quick, quick thing. So you're saying, different than what I said, I said, I don't feel it. And you're saying, no, it's still there. It might be a little on a lower flame or at a different frequency, but it's still definitely there. It's still there and it's on a lower flame and a different frequency. That 100%. But I, what, what I want to do, draw a distinction between is what I feel and what I say as being a certainty. When I was in Yeshiva, and, and even before Yeshiva, and I was somebody who learned these Sfarim 
heard these shirim and was very much part of it. And as I say, it's still part of my psyche still today. There was there was the belief of religious Zionists that that Medina Israel is part of the Gula and we're playing a role in its advancement. And there was a certainty of religious Zionists that Medina Israel is part of the Gula and we're playing its advancement and a certainty that what we're doing is bringing that goal. I personally still believe in the former. I believe in my presence here and the work that's being done here as being moves uh, to advance the goals of Gula and, and the Midnight Israel as being a kiyum, an expression of the visions of our prophets, uh, Shivat Zion, etc. But what's changed is the certainty uh, with which people spoke when I was younger, 25 years ago, has shifted to a slightly more thoughtful, slightly more humble tone, where people say, I feel it, you can feel whatever you want, I'm in that same camp. But where religious Zionists, I think, got a little bit ahead of themselves sometimes was the absoluteness, absolute certainty of what will be if. You remember the words that were said about disengagement, if this happens, then X, Y, Z. And X, Y, Z didn't happen. And that's part and parcel of that bubble being burst. Well, yeah, it's there interesting. Was, I remember the certainty that they said it's not going to happen. The disengagement. Like, Rav Lichtenstein's general comment was, well, let's be a little bit more humble here. Meaning you can have your strong ideology. You can believe it. And that's right. And I, you know, I say, that's the flag that I hold on my sleeve as well. But the, the difference between personal belief and absolute insistence that this is what God is doing that's a stretch which was proven too far, especially between those two bookends of history which we lived through. Okay, I'm going to turn to Molly. Thank you for waiting so patiently. So Molly, I, like, I, I have a sense that it's really waned a lot. And Johnny said, no, no, it hasn't waned. It's just shifted in tone and there's a little bit more of uncertainty. Where do you fall on the spectrum? So, yeah, so I, I agree with Johnny. I think, And um, we had like a pre-discussion whether, it, you know, how we feel about this. Um, and I, I actually, I, I, I see... I think I see more strongly the positive side of it, even uh, of the waning, and I'll explain why. Um, even though I want to affirm the importance of um, of messianism, and I don't want us to swing the pendulum back too much. What do I mean? What I mean is, I think that um, this th- th- that basically you're, you're right that that like this this messian this messianic belief, um, and I, I also think that Geula and messianism and you know like are are a complex. Um, you know, you, that's how you have reishit smichat gulateinu. So something is starting here, right? Rav Kook is very clear that something is starting here. I think, you know, Dor Tashach was very clear that something was starting here. Um, you know, when when that, when that when Mashiach was going to come down from Shamayim, quote unquote, you know, or show up in our midst, is, was a different story. I think that 1967 was a very, very big turning point in this conversation. And yes, needs to absolutely. be mentioned, right? Because the miraculous character of, of those six days definitely spurred a messianic fervor, um, which had a lot of well, wonderful benefits. You could argue right? by that tone that 1973 kind of squashed that thing. It, it might have. It might have squashed parts of it. But again, I, I would say 1967 had tremendous positive benefits, right, to, to Jewish pride and, and to, to the Balchuva movement and a lot of wonderful things. But it also spurred, um, I, I would say, that, that fervent mess, messianism that I think was tinged with... Um, with what Johnny called certainty, I think that that's right, and it spurred. You know, think about Rav Tzvi Yehuda after that, like like Gush Emunim. Mm. These are all this 1967 spurred, right? Like Mashiach is literally here, and all we have to do is you know go and like sit on the land, 
um, and and we're done. Like we have her buy it, and if like there was this very very um, um, confident sense within the Dati Lumi world that like that's it. We're on the cusp of Mashiach, and all we need to do is is um, is 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 is. What's the? How would you translate it? Nachel? Settle. Settle. Thank you. Settle. Yeah. yeah. Settle the land, and like we're we're almost gonna force it on the country, right? We're gonna we're just gonna go and 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 I remember that those years. Um, I've I've been here since 1994. Um, um, I remember listening to like members of the Mafdal, members of Goshemuni, members of Moetzet Yesha. And it was extreme in its certainty. And even in those years, I feel like there was another camp that was was cons- well. First of all, also there were there were even ugly, very ugly um, expressions of it. The Machteret, right, which is a group of people who were you know like we're going to go who 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 um, um, would engage in acts of violence against Arabs, right? This the, you know this attempt to like take over Harabite. They were they were they were they were really some really very dangerous. Um, expressions of this but even leaving those aside and just talking about the general movement I remember being shocked as a you know as you're saying like a, as, as a, and as Johnny described of course I believe that Israel's Rashid Smichat Gulatenu that's awesome and hearing things like oh well I don't really believe in dancing with flags because like I'm not worshipping the flag and I'm not worshipping the state or like people saying things like and again this is, what I'm saying is I'm was hearing like a counter voice let's say out of like the Gush Beit Midrash let's if you want to say it that way right or Salvechik who didn't necessarily who believe that you well let's go American back land I'm going to ask you about America in a second stay in Israel for no, now no but in Israel in Israel like a, a American Olim who would say things like um, I'm not so into the Messianism I'm not so sure into the Third Jewish Commonwealth and I was wondering where it came from and I think it came from this there, there was a slight kind of pullback from this fervor because people recognized the danger of the messianic fervor and i think that the messianic fervor was dangerous um and i think that it was dangerous because for, for i mean leave, one point obviously is the messianic fervor is obviously dangerous when you believe the end justifies the means and you can do all kinds of um things that we believe are morally problematic but leaving that aside i i i, I experienced it as most dangerous in terms of the achdut of the nation right I, this like the, the 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 battles between the religion the 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 chilonim and the and the national religious party the secular national religious again in the in the 90s and again to be fair also like those were oslo years it was, there was a lot of reasons for those battles but i i do th- say that i do believe as johnny said that there was a certainty to the um, to a certain group of, and, and they were the most vocal voice within the Dati Lumi world and I always thought of that as what Salavechik calls the unredeemed religious drive he has an article called Catharsis where he talks about the need to always 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 have a certain degree of humility and a, a degree of willing to a degree of willingness to step back to understand that you are you are limited and he says in which areas do I have to do that and he lists five areas and one of the areas is religion and he says, and if you give me one second, I will read you even from it. This is what he says. Man must be ready to accept defeat not only in the carnal, aesthetic, emotional, or intellectual world, those are the mm. other areas, but also in the moral, religious world, in his relationship with God. Um, I will skip a little bit. There is an unredeemed moral and religious experience as there is an unredeemed body and an unredeemed logos. Meaning you can, if you don't have that, this what he means by redemption is this willingness to understand that there's something greater than you and above you, right? That's unredeemed. Um, 
Let us be candid. If one has not redeemed his religious life, he may become self-righteous, insensitive, or even destructive. The story of the Crusades, the Inquisition, and other outbursts of religious fanaticism bear out this bear out this thesis, right? Well, Molly, was the um, Rav talking explicitly about, meaning, are you aware that the Rav, I had heard that the Rav was deeply uncomfortable with uh, overt messianism. Right. So, that, so I, are you aware of like anything published where you, or when he, when he actually said it or it's just like a, a rumor? Yeah, so it's, it's a shmua. Like, not, you know, like I, I, I did a serious deep dive into Hamish Dreshot um, and I didn't find anything there like that. But it's definitely, listen, again, the fact that the Rav Paskin that you could theoretically give back land for peace was enough to, you know. Um, and again, all these shmuot were like, yeah, it was the Rav a Zionist? The Rav wasn't really a Zionist. It all came from this place, right, where, 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 where this, this idea that, that we don't um, glorify the state above everything. But for me, um, it, it, when I think of this in the Rav, I think of this, the unrelieved, I think he hit the nail on the head when he talked about the unredeemed religious jive, because I think what Johnny was referring to in those years, right, a person who could say, God will not let Gush Katif be given back, right? Or, you know, like, the land is absolutely the most important thing, and there's nothing else that we can talk about. There is a there, that's an unredeemed religious drive, right? People who 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 said things like, you know, I, I don't understand how this thing could happen. Clearly, God wanted us to quote unquote win the battle for the soul of for Gush Katif, and we lost. And I don't understand how that could have happened without considering. Well, may, maybe maybe you 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 don't have like a you know, telephone to God. And I think that Johnny is right that those experiences, especially um, especially Gush Katif, especially the Hitnat broke that certainty. And it was a deep tragedy, but I think it also bore very, very healthy fruits because, um, you know, I'm just, I'm going to wrap this up because it did, um, it did, it did break that unredeemed religious drive and it made people think, wait, wait a second, wait a second, maybe, um, maybe I, I, I can put a question mark at the end of my sentences, right? And maybe there's room, mm. first of all, again, like instead of on the, on the mountaintops, I should first maybe I should, you know, think about um, explaining my position to the other side and, 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 and kind of being a little more humble in my approach to people who think differently than me. And I, th- I think that that's actually been very, very healthy, both for the religious Zionist community and for the larger um, Israeli community, because it enabled much more consensus. Other things also obviously enabled that consensus, but it, but it enabled at least the re- national religious community to put themselves in a headspace where they were ready to to kind of be part of a, of a consensus in a more humble way. Um, that being said, I think the more Hardal community still does have it. Johnny's right. There are pockets. I see this because my children are in Ariel, which is the more Khadal community. I'll give you a silly example of it. But, and part of me like sees it and is like, yeah, you guys, as in general, I find you guys a little bit more extreme than my taste. And there's also something very beautiful about it. The Shvatim, right? You know, everybody knows the Bnei Akiva Shvatim. I would assume many of the people, right? What are they? What are they? Nitsanim, Namalot. Uh, whatever they are. I can't even tell are. you the Ezra ones, and we're an Ezra family. Okay, fine. The ones for um, Haroeh, fine, whatever. The ones for Bnei Aki, uh, the ones for Ariel are all named after the Beis Hamikdash, right? That's literally their Dvir Naveh. Um, um, I can't think now because my brain isn't working. But but they're, they're <laughs> literally they're, 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 they're like all six or seven names of them are different names Maoz um, of the Beis Hamikdash. 
right? And when you hear the songs that Ariel sings, right, it's always about like our, our you know, our, our goal is ultimately to bring, it, it's that same Rav Tzvi Yehuda philosophy. Our goal here is to bring back, right, um, Eretz Yisrael is in the center and the, at the Mikdash is the center. That messianism is there. And there is something beautiful about it. So I, so what, what I want to say is I'm happy, I'm happy, right, what Johnny referred to, um, you know, and he said it, I think, with a little sorrow, like the loss of that um, messianic fervor, because it was a real, it was a real, like, mashper for the Datilumi community. It was really a tragic heartbreak. I think has its positives. Mm-hmm. I am concerned about the throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I once saw a post where, where a prominent religious Zionist, um, I'd say blogger, said, I don't really believe in messianism. Like, I don't really care about Mashiach. I don't really care about the Mr. English. It's enough for me to, like, live in this country. And I'm like, Rebbe Noshalolam, like, of course we should care about Mashiach. Like, what are you talking about? Like, to, we should not give up the concept of striving for um, ultimate redemption. Stri- we should believe in, in, in the idea of Mashiach as a concrete thing. I think, though, that the way that we should think about it um, I think the healthy way to think about it is to think about um, the way that we're going to bring Mashiach. I also, and this with this I'll end, I, I was learning with one of my students, Sefer Yeshayahu, and, and, and it was one of the most, I remember having this like light bulb moment with her. We're like, we're reading Yeshayahu and I looked at her and I said, oh my God, it's like so obvious. Like it's, it's just like here in the Navi, it says, how do you bring Mashiach? First, you have to create a... Um, a, a, a state full of social justice. And I don't mean that in the, you know, the way the phrase social justice is thrown around today. I mean, literally, tzedek umishpat, right? If we want to bring Mashiach, the way to do it is to work really hard on creating a just society, um, creating a, a culture of, of, of um, peace and ethics and fairness and caring for, for, for each other. And that's how we will bring Mashiach. Right, this, the concept of Mashiach is not this, this like I'm going to force Mashiach down somebody else's throat. You want to bring Mashiach? So how are you bringing Mashiach? What are you doing to make Medinat Yisrael a better place? And, and, and I think if you do that, if you view it that way, then I think Messianism does play a role and should. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with another question from Ali and Jadi right after this. Do you know a family looking to enrich their children's Jewish learning? Some families cannot send their children to private Jewish day school. Many Jewish parents today homeschool, but still need a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. Kita is the online Jewish classroom for families. Built for Jewish families looking for serious Jewish learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school aged children receive three Khan Academy style lessons each week and also participate in a weekly Zoom lesson. Students in Kita this year are learning Chumash Bamidbar, Mishnah Sukkah, and Gemara Brachot, and we're soon starting a new course in Navish Mual Aleph. Students can join some of the courses or all of them. Now is a great time to try our Kita. Don't wait for the fall and lose another half year of critical Torah skills and learning. To learn more about how Kita can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org. K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. So Molly, I want to, I want to, I want to start with you again. Johnny's going to then obviously have a chance to respond to what you said, if he remembers and doesn't get sidetracked. But I want to come back to you and talk about, <laughs> uh, refer to what you said. You notice a certain, I would say, 
uh, cooling? Would that be a, a, you know, a, a, an easing? So my question is, I think, I guess uh, I'll preface my question. I think very often part of the historical drive to bring about the redemption was the just terrible situation of the Jew around the world and the abject suffering that we suffered. I mean, like life was, even before the Holocaust, life for Jews was terrible. It was just bad. It was not, we were not in any kind of position. And therefore, the yearning for some ultimate redemption of the Jewish people was incredibly strong and enough to motivate us to do things. Whereas, we're now living, Bezrat Hashem, you know, tomorrow night we'll celebrate 74 years mm -hmm. with our own state. The Jewish, the Jewish state is stable, an economic powerhouse. It's strong. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a leader <laughs> in the fake meat industry and, you know, like list all the industries where we don't, we, I, Baruch Hashem, I don't feel it. I just don't, like, I feel good. I feel, I feel positive about living in the state of Israel. I feel, I, so I, I don't feel that burning desire of redemption, the need to move things forward, that perhaps my grandparents felt or definitely my great-great-grandparents felt, you know, living in the shtetl in Poland or Russia or wherever it was. So uh, how do we sort of, I perceive, it's not that there's a lack of messianism or lack of desire for, uh, uh, in the religious Zionist society per se, but it's in general, things are good. So like when things are good, then you don't have a desire for anything to change. You know, like even, I often wonder when they sing the Mashiach songs, in Chutzlaretz, and you can take this any way you want. I wonder what they're thinking of when, they do, like, is it a nice song? Do they even want, want Mashiach? Like, you know, I don't know. So maybe we're, we're just simply a reflection of the fact that life for Jews, thank God, is good. So first of all, I'd say Baruch Hashem, that we're in that state. Um, that's, that's not a bad state to be in. And I would say that I also think that we unfortunately have enough tzarot to remind us that we're not fully at that redemption. Um, here we are in Erev Yom Azikaron. We've had a, a series of piguim, just one last Friday night, right? This um, young man from Ariel who was killed. Um, so unfortunately, I think, you know, it's not, f you know, it's not like we, I, I would I would kind of, you know, take, I would tweak your sentence a little, but I well taken point in the big picture and thank God. And I think the answer to that has to be um, kind of this idea of, um, I'm sure Johnny can quote this backwards and forwards, right? But he, but I think Jonathan Sachs, I read this in in his Haggadah, freedom from and freedom to, right? Right? Like, um, it, 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 do you want freedom because you want to be freedom from being in, being enslaved, or do you want freedom too because you want to be free to self-actualize? Let's say. And here too, I would say, right? Do we want a state because because we're we're running away from from our pain and our tribulations and the trials of Galut and that was let's say stage one of this state and let's not minimize that again and that's like a, I think a very strong theme of these days that's why, you know the Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaAtzma'ut um, always remember right always remember why we have this state and appreciate how precious it is from the, from the perspective of if we didn't you know the, comf the comfort that you're sitting on um, no, no, without a doubt, I'm you not, know, hundred percent. No, but I, mean, I don't no, mean that you don't know that. But I'm saying, it, it, we, saying if we didn't have the Jewish state, a dream of redemption, yes, the dream correct, of the correct. I think Olam you're right. Yes, is yes. not in the mentality of right. most people. So therefore, I would say I agree with you hundred percent. I think it's time to create a new ethos as a religious Zionist community. 
thank God we are now in a place where you're right, that, that it's not just going to be sending our kids to Poland that's going to spur their Zionism. Thank God we have... We're built. We, we we have a certain degree. We've, you know, we've grown up as a state. We've got so many accomplishments. We we really we flip the, the 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 um what's it called? We we flipped the 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 narrative. We flipped the script. All of a sudden, it, it's like Israel is the is the center of so many things and the on, in 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 the Jewish world, right? We're the center of Torah. We're the center of high tech. Um, you know, uh, well, the reason we're Harvard thinks deals. the BDS is good is yeah, except that you know, right? Week. Okay, exactly. Which is like I'll remind you that it's never always good, but but it, I agree with you that the challenge should therefore be, we Israelis need to think now about you know what's motivating us. What are we building? Um, what is our messianic vision? Which is, again, as I said before, the messianic vision has to be something much more sophisticated than, than, than a simplistic, childish view of the Mashiach. Our messianic vision has to be based on, let's say, Yeshayahu Bet, right? And this idea of we are really going to create the shining city of, on a hill that has inspired humanity since people started reading Tanakh, right? And, and, and if we can... Can, I agree with you. That's a challenge. Maybe that's the challenge of the next seventy years: is what what do we want to create here, and how are we going to create it? Not and not just as a okay, this is a refuge. Right again, and this is the end of Kol Dodo Fake. Irv Soloveitchik talks about Brit Goral and Brit Sinai, where he says. Um, you know, there are two there are two ways in which Jews are Jews and they are a Jewish nation. Um, one is that they are united in their suffering. And the other is that they are they are united. They, they, they can be united in their free choice to be to be part of God's covenant. And he and that's how he ends called it a He ends it by saying Medina Israel can just be a refuge or and his call is to the national religious um, camp. He says, I want you to create something greater and higher Right and and and, um, and actualize religious Zionism as as something that you choose at a free choice and that you're building because of your relationship with God and because of what of of, of all of the the moral and spiritual imperatives that the Jewish state can actually actualize and I think it's time okay. to, to move to Brit uh, Sinai said beautifully Johnny are we too comfortable and uh, whatever it is you wanted to say to Molly. Yes, we are, wait, I mean, the Torah speaks about this idea of when we have affluence, we often lose our spiritual sensitivity. Some have called this affluenza. It's like a sense of influenza, but because of what we have. And we are suffering from affluenza. Uh, we are at times losing sight of the big picture. Uh, this is not just a religious Zionist community, but it's many Israelis in general, of course, Jews around the world where we take for granted what we don't think we are going to lose. 1967 was such an important year because we thought we could lose this country. But we now look at this country, and though we have difficulties, for sure, that have been a real diff you know, challenging series of months, um, we, we don't generally think that Israel is going to be wiped off the map. We laugh when people say that. We don't tremble, in the most part. We're aware, of course, of the threat to Iran, etc. But most of us kind of say we're here and we're here to stay. And that sense of, ironically, confidence, which we spoke about in terms of the Gush uh, is felt by the wider per, uh, uh, people. But that means that sometimes we think there's not more to be done. We forget our history, we forget our past, 
and we kind of say we're just here and here to stay. I'll, I'll tell you t two interesting things, one unrelated to the other, but both, I think, are, are interesting windows. Uh, let's begin with a conversation I had this morning. I went to, uh, I've been seeing a personal trainer trying to get a little bit fitter. He's a great guy called Avichai. So I said to Avichai, so what are you doing, you know, tonight, tomorrow, Yamazikaron, Yamatsma'ut, you know, kind of how are you going to be uh, living these next couple of days? He says, well, go to a tekes, and then Yamatsma'ut, I'll have, uh, you know, a barbecue. I said, okay, like, what else? That's the mitzvah ayom. That's the mitzvah ayom. What do you want? No, Baru, <laughs> I, I'm also going to have a barbecue. I said, but what else? He said, that's it. I said, okay. Like, I, I, I had nothing. He said, what, how about you? We have these nice kind of frank conversations. I said, uh, you know, of course I'm going to go to Tekes, I'm going to learn for Chayal. Like, this is a project, if you recall, starting Yad Binyamin, uh, I, I said, you know, really trying to understand the stories. I try and go to Bekvarot, if not in Yomazikoron beforehand, because I want to give space to, to families on Yomazikoron. I'm going to go to army base with my family, make a, a barbecue for Chayalot. He says, wow, you like, you really believe it. I said, yeah. Like, meaning... Now, I know that he has strong values. I'm not saying anything against my, my good friend, Avichai, who's a sweet, sweet guy. But especially as an Oleh, you kind of have sometimes this driving force, and especially as a religious Zionist. It, it's not just something I take for granted. I still, you know, every day get shivers down my spine. They're personal. They're personal for all Israelis, but they're personal, especially because I didn't stand in guard uh, and wear a uniform. And therefore, I, I know my head precisely because I feel so indebted that I will do whatever I can to show that sense of gratefulness. And it, and it fills you. And if you, if you are used to it, it fills you, it moves you. But so at the same time, you do it every year and you can have this sense of familiarity and you forget to step away and say, this is remarkable. Because if this is a life you've always had, perhaps you don't always realize how remarkable it is. Most Israelis do feel it. I'm sure he does as well. But at times it can be uh, uh, more numb than, than uh, raw. And especially as an Oleh, I'm pleased it's still raw. And it's something which I feel a duty to share. Uh, but all of this tells us that we are comfortable and we don't always feel the... Uh, um, existential threats that do continue to uh, overshadow Midnight Israel. And we all too often don't take, uh, we take too much for granted. And we need to uh, be more aware of that. That's point one. Let me tell you just a second, completely different story relating back to Yeshivot. And we talk about the flame. So my daughter is uh, about to graduate high school. And a couple of days ago, she sent me a list of books that the girls could choose one from that they're going to give her as a gift. They basically sent a list of like 35 books. They said, choose one, and we're going to give this to you at your graduation. She said, you know, Daddy, what should I get, and what do we have? Uh, she doesn't remember all of our library, so obviously Daddy did that. What's interesting, though, is she's in a Benakiva Upanai in our neighborhood, and I know that what I would have expected to see there is the majority ideology you know, things to do with religious Zionism, history, personalities, and maybe some spirituality, um, uh, you know, in terms of perhaps, uh, you know, commentaries on Svarim, etc. The list that was sent, which is all interesting books, I, I endorse them all, but most of them were about personal spirituality, neo-Hasidism, and a handful were about ideology, religious Zionism. That doesn't negate, by the way, the strong ideology of all those girls, my daughter's planning to be a Komunarit next year, and Efrat, meaning this, she's a go-getter, but notwithstanding that, 
it's demonstrative of the fact that we're pumping out those ideas that I was familiar with and caught up with and lifted by and, and inspired by those years ago. But it's more so uh, something you'll hear alongside other things rather than the banner, rather than the thing, rather than this is what we stand for. And those shifts are happening. And what's telling us is uh, uh, not just the religious Zionist community, but Israeli society itself need to be a little bit more inward and, and, and fix ourselves and think about ourselves and understand our, our psychology and our spirituality and be more aligned given the many pulls in our direction. You know, I, I'm somebody who, who loves living here and yet you, you hear a lot of uh, Israelis wanting to go away in different places and those numbers continue to increase. We need to help people fall more in love with Israel. Yom Atzimut does it to a part, but we... I agree with Mali. We've thrown a little bit more of the baby out with the bathwater than we'd like. I think messianism with that certainty was dangerous. Oh, so that leads me. But I wanted. I, think I we want need to, to remind ourselves that it's beautiful as well to say that we're here. I, w I want to end off. We only have a few minutes left uh, by asking exactly that question, which is, um, as, as I mentioned, messianism was just a core part of Jewish life, uh, especially when Jewish life was terrible. And how do we bring about redemption to the world? I, I definitely think. Chabad has played just a, a, an unmeasurable role in the idea of promoting the idea of that it's a Jew's responsibility to bring Mashiach. And every mitzvah you do, and every candle you light, and every time you put on tefillin, you bring Mashiach a little bit closer. But I, I want to turn to both Johnny, you, and Molly, and ask you a very simple question. According to your understanding of normative Judaism, is a Jew obligated to bring the Mashiach? Meaning, is Mashiach supposed to be a motivating factor in the choices that I make in my life, or I'm supposed to keep the Torah, I'm supposed to support Klai Yisrael, I'm supposed to do all the things that I do, but it's not to bring some ultimate redemption of the world. That's God's problem. You know, and if Mashiach comes, and when Mashiach comes, and whatever's good, it's good to be in the Jewish state, and it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael because the Kaddish Baruch Hu wants me to live there, and that's where I can fulfill other mitzvahs, and that's where we as the Jewish people can fulfill our role in the world. But some ultimate redemption and you know, the bringing of the base Amigdash, okay, I'm not aware that that's one of the Tariag mitzvah. What do you think, Johnny? Uh, you know, and all the uh, all my Chabad friends, uh, oh, oh. Uh, don't, don't yell at me. I'm, I'm asking the question. I, I respect everyone's beliefs. I'll follow in the footsteps of Mali, who's quoted some, some great Jewish thinkers and, and continue to quote sort of age, although certainly not the only person who spent a lot of time exploring the relationship between the individual and the collective. M Moshiach is, is a uh, belief the, of the Jewish people. It's a core belief of the Jewish people. You're asking, individually, should it shape how I live? Chabad take, takes a view that it most certainly should. I take the view that it most certainly should, although perhaps not in the, uh, as a direct way as some Chabad thinkers may argue, because I believe that what I do doesn't just have an impact on me, but it shapes the state of the Jewish people. And Chazal spoke many, many times in the Gemara, Midrashim, etc., how the state of the Jewish people overall is really the litmus test which God uh, uses to measure what the next chapter of the Jewish people will be. And so, if we are worthy, it depends on me, but not just on me. Right, but Johnny, but but I think I that you're, answering, you're, you're trying to equivocate. You're trying to have it both ways. Because then the answer to what I understood you're saying is, no, no, your, your job is not to bring Mashiach. Your job is to make the Jewish people the best 
Jewish people. There's, and I happen to think there's a fundamental distinction, meaning a goal that and a lang- motivation. But the, the point is, I, I disagree with the, with the language. It's the word bring Moshiach. It's like, you know, bring my daughter home from school. I don't give Moshiach a tramp unless, you know, if Moshiach needs a tramp, I'm always available, happy to give people lifts. But the point <laughs> is, I don't know... You know, and, and by the, there's a lovely talk by Dan, Rabbi Daniel Cohen about every person should be treated like Elijah, and you should have these Elijah moments. And I think that's true, right? We should treat everybody like Moshiach, and, and that's a, a very, very deep lesson. But Ben Kach or Ben Kach, um, what we need to do, yeah, is we need to do our Avodah. We also should know our Avodah doesn't just stop with us. And we should know our Avodah is cumulative, and that God is looking. We should have Yerat Hashem, Yerat Shamaim. And we should know that God looks at the world, and we're part of it. And so the no, word I, bring, I guess my like point say, is, I, this I don't focus I mean. on... If I'm, I don't believe I'm going to be Moshiach's chauffeur, but I do believe that the world that Moshiach comes, I, please God, I should be I, in it. I think my, my point is the focus on eschatology and the need to build the base on Migdash. You know, and I'm, I'm all in favor of Machon Migdash and doing the learning to prepare. But the idea that like that, that focus. Maybe it's a good thing that we're sort of pulling away from it, and that we're that we're like, and that like as Molly sort of said, like if you focus a little bit less on you know on forcing God's hand and more on making us a better people and working to 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 make us a more just people, because not because of any end goal, but because I want our people to be a just people. But say this, so I'll, I'll give you one brief things. I'll give you one brief, brief answer from a halachic perspective. I know Mali uh, has things to say here. There are numerous halachot, numerous dinim, which rely, rely on the presence of Rav Amisod Be'eret Yisrael. Okay? I am pl- proud to be, play a role in being one extra number to shift that balance a little bit closer. Because I believe that mitzvot are ways in which we help do the will of God on earth and through doing that, we're able to bring a little bit more of godliness and spirituality to earth. You're right, God is the ultimate arbiter. There's no question about that. And any claim that somehow, I say, I'm going to be bringing, like I'm going to be ordering Mashiach like I order a pizza is, is ridiculous. What I can, though, say is, God tells me this in my home. And, and I began my remarks on this podcast saying, I believe, I believe absolutely to my absolute core being that that Israel is an expression of the redemption and that my being here is motivated by that wish to fulfill that redemptive spirit and by being present, by fulfilling mitzvot and recognizing that this enables uh, a Jewish presence here in our ultimate homeland and enables us to fulfill more mitzvot here in our homeland and change the way the Torah has lived. I believe these are the stepping stones that God you know, it has built for us to follow, and one which I, as an individual, am trying to do somewhat uh, my best to fulfill them. Molly, Johnny said you'd have a lot to say. Oh, no, I just because um, <laughs> I, I, when you asked the question, I was like, uh, the Gemara answers your question. What's right? the Gemara's answer? You, the Gemara says, um, this is Shabbos Lamed Aleph, Ati um, Levo, the Yom Hadin, right? We're going to be asked a couple questions. Nasata Venatata Bemuna. Did you? Kavata Itim La Torah, Asakta Piria Verivia, Tsipita Yeshua. Tsipita Yeshua. No, 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 no. What does the word Tsipita mean? Uh, yes, the Gemara answers the question. Okay. What does the what word mean? Tsipita. Yes. Oh, oh, so I believe Tsipita Yeshua doesn't just mean, did you sing Animamin, um, you know, 
once a year and not do anything about it. Sipita means, what did you do to help bring the redemption? Okay, that's a beautiful uh, that's, What does the word litzapot mean? I, uh, does, uh, uh, that, the, I'm sh- I think, I'm sure. Uh, listen, I can't get into like right now a... Um, uh, sure you could. You know what the word means. Yes, litzapot. but what does it mean? Litzapot. You can litzapot in an active way and you can litzapot in a passive way. I'm just saying, I believe the concept. <laughs> no, I really do. I, and again, it depends when you live. It's to cover your... You know, biblically, it means to cover yourself. You're thinking modern Hebrew to watch passively, right? Where we have the kalim of the, of the Mishkan, right. it means to be covered. What does litzapot We should cover mean? ourselves with that yearning. Yeah. Right? Okay. I'm sure we, we should, should have be you visibly enwrapped with this. Let's okay. I'm, I'm googling right now. What does litzapot mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, to watch, to observe, uh, to witness, to, to predict, watch, to, to foresee, observe. to accept, to look forward to. Fine. Lo right. The point is, I believe that that that, that phrase means it, it meant for many generations keep this hope alive as Johnny referred to it as a flame, keep the flame burning. And again, I, I really believe that like all those years in which the idea of Mashiach and the return to Eretz Yisrael was a literally a golden dream in people's hearts that was as far from them as as, as landing on Mars is for us. Um, for them, Tzipita Yeshua meant that hope. For us, Tzipita Yeshua I think, means something much more real and much more active. And it means, what have you done to bring Mashiach? I also agree with Johnny yeah, that there was a... There, there, there but, but, was, but, but, Molly, where are you getting that from? Where in your Jewish... Like, how should I say this? In your vast Jewish knowledge, are you? why are you rereading... Okay, so you want to have a whole conversation? We can just have a whole argument about whether we whether we believe that Zionism should be active or passive, and whether we like that's a whole different conversation. Let's all be chayredim and believe that we have to sit back and that's okay. That's that's a different conversation. I should be a Zionist for the benefit of the Jewish people. I could be a Zionist because I believe I should. We should have the right to live in Eretz Yisrael, and that's where God wants okay. us to be. I, okay, fine. Then I'm going to go to Rav Soloveitchik. Okay, who, who again? I agree with you with with, with, with your big fancy sure, word there, eschatology. Go to Rav yes, I will always go to Rav Soloveitchik. <laughs> thank, thank Baruch Hashem for Rav Soloveitchik, right? Where he says that's what it means to be part of the of the Jewish people, as Johnny kind of eloquently pointed to. It means you know where your past is, and it means you know where your future is, and you're part of the great dialogue that. That honors the past and that tries to one of the ways you honor them is by helping bring us as a covenantal community into the eschatological vision that we all have and that I think we all have an obligation to help bring to this world. And and again, I I don't mind just the Charedim. The Charedim believe that the way you do that is by davening and by learning Torah, then they should daven and learn Torah. But yes, I do believe that part of being a Jewish person person is that you that you're that I do believe that Tzipita Yeshua means what have you done to bring the Geula and I do think that, that Johnny's also right that that ordering Mashiach in a taxi is very simplistic I remember there was a um a, a teacher in a memoir he used to tell the girls if you don't believe that Mashiach can just like you know what you know show up tomorrow morning like you know you open your door and there he is then like there's something wrong with your Amuna in, in Mashiach and and I, I it always bothered me that that I thought that even though there are so you're saying there's stories, something wrong with your Amuna, there's something wrong with your one Amuna. second you know like you know how like the the the, the Sephardi women who what's it like Erev Tishabov right there's these stories about how Motzei Tishabov they would like clean their houses because uh, Mashiach is supposed to come right after Tishabov and they were like waiting every mm-hmm. year the people with the suitcases under their you know all those stories the suitcases under their their beds well, because they're waiting the and there's something well, right exactly and there's something very beautiful about that and I'm not taking away from it but but there's something about that that bothered me in its simplicity and then I remember somebody asked Rav Shurlo um, what does it mean? Does does it mean right? You know, uh, does that really mean that I have to believe that I can open the door and tomorrow Mashiach will be here? And he said, 
No, that's not what it means. Because if you have a the view of the, of the redemption that the let's say the, the 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 religious Zionist world has put forward based on let's say the Rav Kukian view, you believe that it's going to happen within a naturalistic process. So. You, do, you don't necessarily believe it's like, yeah, you don't believe the base of is coming down from fire from the sky, and you don't believe that one morning you're gonna, there's going to be like this giant shofar, and we're all going to go outside and Mashiach's here. You believe that every step that you take to make this happen, according to, the, again, this beautiful, that, that we're living, I think, where you see God's hands working historically within us, um, have, are you bringing that closer? And I think I already outlined before, the best thing that we can do to bring that closer is to work hard to create a beautiful, and I mean beautiful in a moral and ethical way as, and in many other ways, state here. And, and, and that, will, that will naturally evolve into a messianic um, reality, a, a redeemed reality. And yes, and I believe that that will also bring us the Mashiach, and I also I, and 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 I want to temper what I'm saying, even though I'm saying I do believe it's going to happen in natural causes. I'll also say Yeshua Hashem Karafayin. Could it happen from today till tomorrow? Sure. Do you think they believed in 1967 what they would see in six days? No way, right? A Kashbarhu can do things that we absolutely could never predict. So is it theoretically possible that 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 you know? It'll happen much quicker than I'm than I'm predicting in the way that I see God's hand moving the historical process. Yes, I don't know how how fast it's faster than I think it can be, but I believe that what what it means is not this simplistic thing that I'm waiting on the at the bus stop and all of a sudden you know somebody gets off the bus and says hi I'm the Mashiach. But I uh, it's not going to happen that way. There's going to be a chauffeur blowing and all the shows are going to fly to Israel. Exactly, exactly. I read and eagles wings. I, I, I listened to the, exactly, and I heard all the songs about you know. Um, but I, and, and by the way, like, you know, the song Someday. So, so I have a very double edged sword um, feeling about that song, which I think it does give people permission to have a very childish view of the Mashiach. You know, uh, you know, like all of a sudden, uh, Aram Yitzchak are going to be there at the same Aram time. Exactly. So, so I have like that cynicism. And I have also that like it's giving people permission to have a very shallow view of what it means to bring Mashiach. And therefore, it, they, they can absolve themselves of the responsibility to do the hard work. At the same time, as I said before, it, it, it gives me admiration for all the people who who that was their vision because they had no other option because they it was not possible possible and my third point is i will also sing that song and believe that i don't exactly know what it's going to look like i don't but like there's a kernel there that's true right there's a kernel there in the beauty of that song and the in the chilling power of that vision that is true and and i'm not going to give that up and yes every day we should we should be bringing the mashiach Okay, thank you very much. We'll wrap it up there. I want to thank Rabbi Nimali Brabski. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. All right, Rabbi Johnny Solomon, thanks for taking the time. It's great to be back. Hope to we will be a little bit more of a regular schedule. We would, uh, you know, this is a good, we think this is a good opportunity to think about, you know, as you celebrate Yom HaSmood, wherever you are, with whatever manga you have, and you're doing Mitzvot Hayom, it's a good time to really, you know, think a little bit about um, the ideology behind and what are we celebrating? What, what does Yom HaSmood mean to you? And to each all of us, and to all of us, um, and we, we will, on behalf of everyone here, I wish all of you a chag from there. Have a great week, everybody.